This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Very good morning to everyone. Once again, it's a privilege to gather with you this morning and to open up God's Word together. Uh, It's great to hear from our brother just now, and uh, we pray that the Lord continue to glorify Himself. Now, today is the second week on uh, missions, and one of the big questions we want to ask today is, how do Christians mature and be spurred on for God's mission? How do Christians mature and be spurred on for God's mission. I'd like to invite you to pray with me together and ask God to help us as we dig into His Word. Let's pray. Oh Father, we thank You this morning uh, that we are encouraged and reminded of how precious the Gospel is. Father, we pray this morning as we open up Your Word, we pray, God, that Your Holy Spirit will work in us as He always do. We pray, God, that we will be able to understand what we are reading and we pray that your Holy Spirit will engage not just our minds but also our hearts. So be with us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, brothers and sisters, if you have your Bible, keep it open. You'll be great. I've chosen not to put as many slides of verses there so that you get to read your own Bible. So if you have it open, it's great um, to follow along. Now, some years ago, I got to know a group of young, lovely Christian leaders in Australia. They were really lovely, but they were discouraged with their church ministries, and they always longed for just a bit more encouragement. They were disheartened by the size of their group. Many of them have cultural struggles. Some grew in Australia, they're very Aussies. Some grew up overseas and were there, so they have feed on two couches and living in them. And like everyone else, they struggle with issues, they struggle with uncertainties in life, and they long for Christianity to lift them up just a little bit, for the emotions, the spiritual emotions they call to, to be lifted up just a bit on Sunday. They work really hard to up the standard of their praise and worship, which we calls our singing, the old leaders tried to engage the younger ones to go for music conferences or various conferences. They, they long to hear and they are eager to hear charismatic preachers and teachers talk to that so that they can be spurred on a little bit. In fact, you know, some long for visions, for dreams and mystical experiences. They would just live their spiritual experience just one notch higher. Others suggested having more activities and still others look out and they wonder what did the vibrant churches out there have that they did not have. And when they hear guest missionaries speak about missions, their heart gets stirred, but quickly some of them get discouraged. And some were courageous enough to say, maybe I'll go for a short-term mission. Hopefully that will stir me up a little bit. Others will be too overwhelmed to even think about that. No, dear friends, I was just sharing with you an experience that I saw, and that's not a unique in itself. But what would you say? What would you say to this group of leaders? Or how would you encourage Christians who just long for a little bit more in their Christian life, in their church experience, and perhaps to be able to fulfill Christ's great commission? What would you say? 
to them. Right, so you might imagine this is not um, unique in experience. Perhaps some of us here would have uh, aligned ourselves with some of the emotions and longings that they have. And there's no shortage of resources or overgrowing catalogs of books uh, on sale about church growth, about Christian maturity, about missions. But where do you start, friends? Friends, what would you say to them? or those that you know who are similar. How do Christians mature and do missions? What is God's means for Christian maturity and mission? This morning we come face to face with one of the greatest preacher, teacher, missionary, author of his time. He was a great author and influencer of his time. Before YouTube was invented, he was already well-known people heard about him before they see him. He, don't call himself, he doesn't call himself charismatic, but wherever he goes, he stirs up people from beggars to kings. Whether you, either you love him or you really hate him, you can't choose to stand in the fence. And his name, you know it, is Paul. This morning we are looking at part of a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to an ancient church in Colossae, Uh, And he has few words regarding what will really move the needle for Christian maturity and for missions. But now, here's the thing. The thing is that Paul, he has never met the Colossian Christians. He's never met them. Neither was he on a fancy book tour about church growth or missions, and he was writing to his fans. But actually, Paul at this moment, according to chapter 4, verse 3, he's in prison. And Paul was not alone in prison. He was there with another minister, Aristarchus, according to chapter 4, verse 10. And possibly Colossians' own former minister, Epaphras. Um, If you look at Philemon chapter 23, these three guys were were all together and they were in prison. Uh, It was at one point in in prison, where both the, the few of them have got to know and they've got to share about the Colossian Christian Church. I want to invite us today, if your Bible is open, to look at today's passage and see what words Paul has for these Colossian Christians and their church. Let me begin by verse, reading verse 24 for us. Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I feel out in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now imagine Paul, he's saying to the Colossians, Dear Colossians, well, you have never met me, but you might have known my story from your ex-minister, Epaphras, who happens to be in prison with me now, possibly. Now you knew how I've suffered as a pastor teacher, or some may call me a missionary. You have probably heard how many times I almost died, I was beaten up, I was pelted with stones, I was framed, I went hungry, I was in the midst of riots because they want me dead. And it was one of those times that Epaphras heard my message, he became a Christian, and you know that because when he went back to you, you heard the message and you became Christians. Now I want you to know, fellow Christians, that I'm willing and so joyfully willing to suffer so that this message could have been proclaimed to you. Now, if you've been listening to this, one thing you ask is, what is that message? 
What is that message? Well, Paul calls this message the mystery of God that has been revealed. Now look with me to verse 26. This is what Paul says. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Now here's the thing. God had a mystery, Paul says, that has been, hid, that has been hidden since the, the generations before, since the beginning perhaps of human history. It's like an answer to a riddle that has not yet been solved or a solution to the crisis that we cannot escape. Or to give just a pictorial view, it's like the key to unlock the weight that's sinking you down to a bottomless sea as your breath runs out. But the moment this mystery is revealed, we can know the answer to the riddle, the solution to the crisis, and the rescue from the drowning. The moment this mystery is revealed, that people know what it is. To understand the importance of this mystery then, we need to know what is the situation that we are in, or the crisis that we are in. And this is the crisis that the Bible tells us, for all of us, because from the beginning, God created human beings wonderful, all things were lovely for us to care for, to rule, to flourish. Now, the only rule that was given to us was this. The only rule for humans is that God is God and we are not. That was the only rule. To be fully human is to recognize that one rule. God is God, we are His image bearers. But lo and behold, for us humans, of all things we choose that, that rule, we want to break it, to be our own gods. And from then on, everything goes downhill. And even today, humans, we either reject this one God who is above us, or we create gods in our image. It goes on everywhere. And because of that fall, the consequence is what all of us at least partially experience today, which is death. But God warns that there is a much bigger judgment that will come after. So there is our crisis that needs solution. And God's mercy, God promised, God promised a solution to both judge our sins because He can't ignore it, but yet mercifully offer us a way out to be saved. And that is the crisis we have. That is the problem that needs to be solved. But how can God solve that riddle of being just and still being loving and forgiving to save us from the consequence of our sin and of the fiery furnace of hell? And Paul says here in Colossians that because God has revealed the answer, I will willingly suffer to preach and answer give this answer to anyone I could, even to you, through Epaphras. Now three times Paul speaks about this mystery in today's passage. If you have looked at it, it's verse 25, verse 27, chapter 2, verse 2. I'll just look at it briefly with us. In verse 25, Paul explains that this mystery is first of all God's word, the word of God. This is what God has revealed. Paul was tasked to make it fully known. It's not man's word, it is God's word revealed. That's the mystery. Second, he described this mystery very clearly in verse 27. This mystery is revealed that all, even Gentiles like Colossians, that they too can receive God's hope when Christ Jesus is in them. It says here, Christ in you, talking to the Colossians, the hope 
of glory. Now the revealed mystery of God is Jesus Christ and He is God's plan to give the hopeless hope. Those who are hopeless, doomed for hell, a glorious hope was given in exchange for heaven. Now this is not just for the Jews to come to Jesus Christ, but for the Gentiles too, like the Colossians, in fact like you and like me. Now what has been impossible in the past for the holy God to live with sinful humans was made possible by the person of Jesus Christ in which Paul has written just a bit earlier in chapter 115 of Colossians that this Christ is in fact the visible image of the invisible God himself. The mystery, the riddle, the solution is not a set of rules that people find or a ladder to climb up. That mystery revealed is the person himself, Christ. The mystery is Christ who will take our punishment and then give us his righteousness. Well, many of us will be familiar with that. But that is the truth of the mystery revealed. It's not revealed and say, oh, okay, now I know it, I move on. But it's revealed and now we have it if we grab it. Even us Gentiles can be brought back to God so that we no longer face hopelessness, but we are swept into glorious hope in Christ Jesus himself. And to make the point further, Paul adds, look at chapter 2, verse 2. He says, the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, of all the ink and hard drives or whatever clouds that we have, humans, that we write uncountable blocks, write books or e-books of history, of, of our science, of personal development, self-help books, of all the ink and typewriters and keyboards that we have expanded, they are incomparable to the reviewed Christ Jesus. Because here's the thing, Paul's right just a little bit earlier in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, Because Christ, he's the creator of all things from heaven to earth, all that is invisible and invisible. Because he's the creator himself, that all things were created through Jesus, in fact, was for Jesus. And so if you look at today's passage in Colossians 2.2 that we just, I just read for us, that there are actually no additional mysteries outside of Christ, because he's the creator himself who owns all knowledge and wisdom. There's nothing lacking the moment the mystery is revealed, when Christ is revealed, the mystery of God that we need to top up anything to become a better Christian, to be a bit more powerful, to be more mature, to have more effects, to be missionaries. There's nothing to add on to it the moment Christ is revealed. And Paul knew that suffering is attached to this message. But he rejoices to suffer if only he could just proclaim that mystery one more time. Imagine being Paul, being stoned and pelted with stones and you are discouraged. But he says, for the message, I'll do it just one more time. I might be dead the next time around, but just one more time. And there he goes, in a riot Ephesus, they kicked him out, he almost died, has to appeal one more time. Just one more time. Because this is God's power. He knows that the great news of Jesus Christ 
is the very power of God to save and to bring people to Him. The power to forgive, the power to unite us with Christ Himself. The power to save, the power that after saving is able to bring full maturity to all who has come to Him. Look at verse 28 to 29 of chapter 1. He says this, Paul says, He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now dear friends, what is God's means for Christian maturity and to spur on missions? What is God's means? It is through proclaiming, admonishing and teaching the very great news of Jesus Christ to which the whole Bible points to it. Now here's the thing. Now maturity and missions do not come by attending many conferences if the great news of Jesus Christ was not made known there. Christian maturity and missions will not come by studying growth strategies or mission books if the great news of Jesus Christ is not proclaimed. Maturity and missions will not come by increasing church activities if they do not draw us to Christ. Maturity and missions will not come because a sudden truckload of people appears at our doorstep. But when they come in, they hear nothing about the great news of Jesus Christ. In fact, Christian maturity will not come by keeping more laws, by regulations, seeing angels, having visions, having signs, having experiences, if they are mere add-on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Christian mission will not come by doing good works overseas if the great news of Jesus Christ remains hidden from people that we serve. Why is Paul so willing to suffer just so that he can preach one more time about Jesus Christ and to even write to the Colossians? Because the great news of Jesus Christ is God's means to save the Jews and the Gentiles, to save you and me from our crisis. And the great news of Jesus Christ is God's means to mature Christians and to bring about missions because after all, that's what made the murderer Saul, the Apostle Paul or the missionary Paul. Now at this point, I want to just pause here. I want to give thanks to some of you guys as well as to encourage us from Paul's faithfulness to proclaim God's revealed mystery, the great news of Jesus Christ. Now many here, some of you, have sacrificed you know, your time even in various ways to, to teach and to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, week in, week out, whether some know it or not. You may proclaim and taught the gospel of Jesus Christ through Bible studies, through children, or youth ministry. In fact, it's not easy to be a Sunday school teacher. I know it because I, I was definitely a cause of suffering for the Sunday school teachers in my time. And some of you, if you are suffering as Sunday school teachers because you have the likes of me in your class, I pray that you will see and be encouraged that it is worth it because you are in good company with the guy who wrote this letter. Uh, well, his is much harder perhaps. Or perhaps you have proclaimed or taught the gospel of Jesus Christ through one-to-one Bible reading with somebody. 
or your gospel conversations as a parent, as a child, as a grandchild in your home. So as a parent in school, a friend, a colleague, a boss, an employee in your workspace. Or perhaps some of you, you've gone for a short-term mission to, to Asia, to Indonesia, just so that the gospel could be taught, perhaps by you or perhaps by one of your team members. You are there, you are clear that you are there to do whatever you are doing so that the gospel can be preached again. Now I want to thank you and I want to encourage all of us to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ the way that Paul does as he writes to the Colossians. Because by doing that, we are exercising God's only means for salvation. God's means for maturity and our fulfillment of God's mission to present everyone mature in Christ. In fact, in Luke's version of the Great Commission, which we read in our responsive reading, Jesus said to his, to his disciples at the time, let me read that to you again, um, Luke 24, 44-48. Jesus said this, said this, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And what happened? And repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning here in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now after that, Jesus told them to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to clothe them and they will go forth to proclaim what they saw. And if you read the rest of scriptures, that this is passed on to us, that we proclaim what they saw about Jesus. Because that is where Christ's power is and that's what God's means is and his mission itself. And on that final day when Jesus returned as that perfect king, it will be the beginning of the end. The end of this broken world, the beginning of his eternal home for us. So whether it's Old Testament or whether it's New Testament, that we keep speaking about Christ because everything points to him, the revealed mystery of God, God's means for maturity, God's means and God's mission itself. Now I, I pray that I will keep serving you this way, um, opening up God's word, engaging with you together, pray for you. And, and I pray that you pray for your pastors to do that faithfully week in, week out. And I pray that you do that to each other. Do it to me and I'll do it to you. To remind us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now Paul is not done yet as he reached the end of chapter 1. He has more to say. He has more to say about the effects of this gospel itself in verse 1 to 5. If you wonder what a mature Christian looks like further, then look with me to verse 1 to 5 as Paul carries on. What its effects are like in a community like this. Look at verse 1 as I read it to us. I want you to know, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not yet met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full reaches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Now, what is the purpose of Paul telling them about his own mission and his struggle? What's the point of Paul saying, I want you to know all this? Well, he does this so that they may be encouraged 
in heart. Look at verse 1 and 2. Now, as the Colossians or the Christians, they dig deeper into the gospel of Jesus Christ, they become more and more encouraged in the face of suffering, not in the absence of suffering, because the power of the gospel is magnified. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment if this is true. Just think with me for a moment. We do not so much, we do not so much witness the power of the gospel when we merely enjoy personal comfort as compared to when we witness Christians living, sacrificing, and suffering for the sake of the gospel. Think with me for a moment if this is true. We do not so much witness the power of the gospel when we are enjoying ourselves in our personal comfort as compared to when we witness Christians living, sacrificing and suffering for the sake of the gospel. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that comfort is, is bad. If God give it to us, enjoy it, give thanks to God. But I'm saying that we do, not, we do see the power of God being exhibited more clearly and we are more encouraged when we see Christians, for the sake of the gospel, they will cling on to it and let go of others if they have to. Now, when we witness Jesus, the living word of God, bring living faith in Christians, we get encouraged and we get spurred on and we respond likewise. Now, just a month ago, there's an Iranian pastor by the name Yusuf Nagak Khan. He was finally arrested and taken to prison. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison along with three of his congregational members for running home churches. Well, that's not the first time Yusuf was in prison. He was released back in 20, uh, 2012 after three years in prison when he switched or he left his previous religion, which at one stage was seen deserving of death sentence. I don't know how you feel when hearing accounts like Yusuf. Uh, when I read that, it reminds me of my dear friend who is uh, now in, in Sydney getting ready to go back to his home country where he has converted religion with two kids, a pregnant wife, possibly into a similar situation. No, this, this is not new because this is what happens from the time of Paul up to today. It has been happening. But I pray that as we, as we look at it, and we hear things like that, we will be stirred to pray for them to persevere, to cling to Christ more. And I pray that the supernatural, um, supernaturally that we become even more encouraged despite of their suffering, that we'll persevere more in ourselves and we'll be pumped up with our glorious hope and longing for the return of Christ. Much more than when we hear a Christian winning a lottery or having a good retirement plan. That it was the former that was stir up and that you will be encouraged. Now, Apostle Paul wants them to grab hold of the power of the gospel of Christ so that suffering does not discourage them, but rather encourage them because the power is being manifested. And at the same time, Paul wants them to be united in love. He goes on now. This is one thing we'll be familiar with in all relationships that we have. You know, our fallen nature, we understand it's so easy to be entangled with disunity, with disgruntle, with grumbling, with bitterness. 
I don't know if you have experienced that before. It can happen at work, it can happen at home, and unfortunately it can happen in church because of our fallenness. And here Paul wants them to grow in maturity to do what is unnatural for sinners. To be united in love. And the means to be united in love is again the gospel of Jesus Christ. For that is the power of the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the source that unites what was divided. Rebellious sinners with the most holy God. In fact, Christ himself unites us to him to make that happen. The way for a church to grow in unity and love is not to use force or to do the guilt game. It never works. To make someone feel guilty and okay, we should reckon. It, it never works. The one that will work is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we remember that just as we undeservingly receive the gospel and the benefits of it, to be united with Christ, to turn from hopelessness to hope of glory. And the person, the other person that we may have this unity with, share the same undeserving grace. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus, it is the gospel of Christ that will bring unity together. Now I believe whether it is local church or out in a mission field where missionaries quarrels or have disunity, it will be the gospel of Jesus Christ that when they dig down in it, they will reunite any disunity that happens or struggles. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I don't know if any of you have fallen out with anyone in church, but if any of us do, I pray that it is by the gospel of Christ that you will sink and drink deep in. Because that is where you will find the ability to be united in love. That's Paul's words for churches again and again. The gospel is the only means to unite the Jews and Gentiles and the same for us. Now, brothers and sisters, now how powerful the gospel of Christ is revealed in us. It's not how beautiful, how big, how crowded our church looks. It is revealed when we are encouraging each other even if the church is forced to close down. Even when you and I succumb to illnesses, when we face persecution, oppression, when the physical structure of our building or our bodies breaks down. In that time, it will be the gospel of Christ working in us to reveal whether we are mature Christians whose hope of glory is still burning strongly in us. That we, re- we remain united in love with those that Christ has saved. Now that is the effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ deep, deep, deep in us. That we do not know Jesus intellectually, but we know Him and His gospel personally. And knowing that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ, because this is so crucially important. It's important for the Colossians, for the Laodiceans, for all the churches Paul visited for us. Because this is so common, and it's always there, of the voices around that says, you should look for something else to top it up. You should look for something else to make you feel better. There are other means 
for maturity. There's a less offensive way for missions. Look at verse 4 with me. Paul says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You know the Christians like Colossians, the Colossae, the Laodiceans, in fact all the churches Paul has um, done his time with, they are always facing false teachers because if you, you have looked at um, Acts, you will see all the deceptive philosophy, the Jewish tradition, elemental spiritual forces, all the physical circumcisions, the law keeping uh, that is mentioned here in, uh, later in Colossians 2, 8 to 15. All this happens in the, in, the, in the account of Acts. Wherever Paul goes, the moment he leaves, the false teachers just tail along behind him to infiltrate the church and suggest things to add on, to add on, and to question the sufficiency of the gospel of Christ. And so Paul wants the church to cling tight to the gospel because it is God's means for salvation, for maturity, and for missions. And here's the important point that we need to take note. Listen to this. What we think of Christ affects everything. What we understood of Christ affects everything. If we are not certain that Christ is sufficient, we will start looking elsewhere when we are dis- discouraged. We will start being leered to worldly strategies when things don't go as fast as we like or other forms of spirituality and lose risking our faith. If we do not think Christ's gospel is God's only means for salvation, we will interpret good works as missions. You know, building orphanage, providing clean water, teaching English, caring for needy overseas uh, people. You know, these are good works. But they are not mission. Now, don't get me wrong. These are fantastic because these are good things. But these are not mission if the gospel is not proclaimed. Uh, John Piper put it very balancedly. He said this. John Piper says, Christians care about all suffering especially eternal suffering. Otherwise, they either have a defective heart for not caring, or they have a flameless hell that they're not going. Now, as a church, if we get excited about mission without getting excited about the gospel, we're in a very dangerous place. We're in a terrible place. Because we may send missionaries out, we may raise our own missionary train her up, send her to a good school, she goes there, and if it's not effective, things haven't happened, and we get distracted of other exciting things come along, and we start leaving the person and the ministry there, chasing after something else. I trust our church doesn't do that, but we need to cling on to the gospel and help our missionaries to cling on to that gospel. Because that is God's means. For maturity, God's means for mission. Now, Paul and first century churches, they have no doubt been busy with good works, caring for widows and orphans, but they are so very clear that the mission in Jesus' great commission is all about proclaiming his gospel. Mission comes because there's message. No message, no missions. No message, no missions nor maturity you know, in all of Paul's ministry he never moved 
mission or maturity is always missions and maturity, and they all link back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, as we close our time this morning, I just want to spend just two more minutes for us to consider together God's ministry and our Christian ministry, our Christian maturity, and also our Christian mission. I just want to think a few implications together with us, and then we'll close. First of all, if, if there's anyone here who's not a Christian at the moment, you're visiting and you've been visiting many times, just thinking about Christianity and finding out what it is. I, heard you, I, I pray that you've heard it a few times just this morning. That Christianity is all about the great news of Jesus Christ. That He takes our sin and gives us His righteousness. And He takes our hopelessness and gives us hope of glory. I hope you heard that if you're not a Christian. If you're a Christian... Perhaps if you are suffering from discouragement, beaten in a spiritual drought today, if you feel dry as a Christian today, can I encourage you to just dig deeper into God's Word tonight? Just take an hour to read God's Word before you sleep. Or this week, take an hour in the morning, lunch or dinner, or before bedtime, just to read the Gospel. Perhaps read Matthew 1-12 to before we start our series back in Matthew. Uh, just have a read of it. Because we will not die from a lack of an hour on Netflix, social media, or newspaper. But we'll come alive if we sink deep or drink from the living Word of God. Just for an hour. Just for an hour preparing ourselves before we hear the Gospel in Matthew next week as we come back to it. Or perhaps you are someone who is struggling to even read it. Then I pray, I ask, would you cry out to somebody? Say, would you read the Bible with me sometime? Or just pray with me for a while? Do that. Because it is the Word of God that will bring maturity. Not the next hype that we hear. Now, if you are a Christian teaching or reading the Bible with someone, Sunday school, youth, one-to-one Bible study, Perhaps if you're tired or discouraged, can I encourage you and you encourage me to keep trusting that God's Word will do God's work. Trust that God's Word is powerful enough to do what God has promised His work will do. For it is worth it, because that is mission. When we proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring someone mature in Him, to bring someone to know Him, Personally, that is missions. I pray that if you are discouraged, be encouraged that it is well worth it. And the last thing, and finally, no, wait a minute, just for one more. If, if, if you do not know how to read the Bible, in the bulletin right there, there's an advertisement to say how to read it. Um, there's a program coming up, sign up for it, and it will be helpful. But lastly, for those of us who are involved in planning ministries or missions, as we look at our mission plans and our ministry plans, the, the gospel is never a stepping stone. It's the core of everything we do, as well as our ministry in missions. Because that's God's means for maturity, for missions, for everything. I want to close this time by praying together. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing Christ at this time, at just the right time offering us the impossible solution to your judgment and our forgiveness. 
Help us to drink deep and hold fast to the great news of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is found in the whole of Scripture. Help us to grow in maturity. Help us to keep doing the missions of proclaiming Christ more and more in our lives. All for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.